0: Welcome to the GMS Podcast brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We are recording. I have a great guest today. I have Larry Cooper with the Experience Trade Show and Conference and Education. Larry, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Well, we're doing great. It's it's great to be with you today and, and with your audience also, and, and thanks for uh, including us.
0: Oh, absolutely. So we've got – I'm excited to have you, on because you've – well, one, I've been – I mean, you've been uh, – whether you know it or not, you've been very – you know, important in my growth as a company and in coming to your shows and a lot of uh, honestly, a lot of the conversations that we have on this podcast are with my friends that I've met through trade shows. So, I mean, in in a sense, I mean, you've uh, you've you've absolutely helped grow my business in my connection. So so first, thank you for that. Um, but then but then it's cool to, yeah, to get you on and, and talk to you about this, because I mean, this this show is like this. is This is your thing. Right.
1: It is. We, uh, you know, we've been really excited to work with the industry. And, you know, we have one very clear goal uh, in mind as we produce these shows. And it's something I've worked on my entire career, which is to raise the bar of professionalism in the cleaning and restoration industry just as high as we can possibly imagine.
0: Yeah. No, that is that is awesome. Well, I think uh, for people who maybe don't know who you are or don't know what the Experience Trade Show is, um, why don't you go ahead and take a minute, give us some background, tell us who you are, and then kind of what the, you know, a general what the show is, and then, and then I've got a lot of questions for you.
1: Fantastic. So I started in the uh, cleaning industry when I was 15 years old. I uh, started cleaning carpet in Boulder, Colorado. And, uh, while I was going to school and, um, did that for several years working for a company.
0: Now, when was uh, that?
1: When I, I'm sorry.
0: When was that?
1: That was, uh, 19. Holy cows. <laughs> I started in 72. That's a long time ago, man. 72. And, yep. And I, uh, I stayed with him for a couple of years. My second year with the company, um, I was basically running the company, I think I just turned 17 and I uh, was running three crews for him and we were doing a lot of cleaning and it was kind of interesting because back in those years, there were no truck mounts. Uh, We were using portables, we were using rotary and um, it was, it was fascinating. Uh, Obviously the challenges we ran into with uh, jute back primary and secondary, a lot of shrinkage problems, uh, a lot of challenges with, you know, just cleaning in general. Uh, but nylon was very strong back then and uh, it was a lot easier to clean than some of the fibers today, uh, which which was interesting, that combination. But when they went to synthetic backs, things kind of changed. Anyway, when I was managing his company about oh, eight months later, I said to him, you know, I'm bringing in several thousand dollars a day for you, and you're paying me five bucks an hour. I'd like to get a raise. (laughs) And he said, no, you're making plenty. And so, of course, I left and uh, went to work uh, somewhere else. And then when I was 18 years old, I was going to college, and I needed some funds. And so I started my own carpet cleaning business. I remember my seven Dodge van that I bought and a Mr. Steam hot water extraction machine and a uh, floor machine and, and just uh, started on my own. And, you know, you always think, boy, this is going to be really great and easy. And that first month, I remember I did four jobs. So learned a lot about marketing and knocking on doors, man, because it wasn't happening automatically.
0: I was saying of the four, one was your mom's house? Uh,
1: probably twice, <laughs> but. <I don't... laughs> so, um, my third year in college, um, I was running three crews and we were so busy. I was working 80 hours a week trying to carry a full load mm. and, um, I couldn't. And so I left college after three and a half years, didn't finish my degree, which was stupid, but I didn't think I needed it at the time, obviously. And, uh, we continued to uh, grow our business, which was a lot of fun. So we stayed in the business uh, right up to about uh, 2000, and I okay. sold my company at that time. And um, it was uh, a very interesting uh, opportunity, to say the least. I, I loved the business, and when I sold the company, I had 82 employees. We, we got into oh, wow. some interesting, we really specialized in very high-end residential Um, You know, our trucks were doing several thousand dollars a day in in revenue at these homes. And then um, we had full crews doing commercial uh, carpet and upholstery cleaning every night and every weekend. Uh, And that grew to be the largest part of our business. Uh, We had over 200 contracts. These weren't small contracts. These were, you know, 10 stories up to 50 story buildings. And we would maintain the floor covering and uh, wall panels, upholstery, those kind of things uh, for them. Um, And that became a very important segment. But about 1979, I think it was, I got called by a building that had uh, a flood. I was like, okay. And they said, can you come do the water damage restoration? And we were like, well, sure. There's nothing to it, right? So... We went down, we extracted the water, and then we had no idea what to do from there because there was nothing written at the time. And our suppliers were like, you know, you need to get the carpet off the floor and get air underneath. And so that's what we did. We had all these gallon uh, jugs uh, under the carpet. We had chairs under the carpet and, you know, uh, box fans uh, there, and, and we were drying it out. Um, And we learned a tremendous amount about the water damage business over the next year as uh, Lloyd Weaver got into the business and started making those metal frame air movers. We were one of his first customers uh, buying those things. But nonetheless, uh, it was a lot of fun to uh, be engaged um, from the beginning in a lot of these industries. I remember we got our first truck mount in 1980 and uh, steam Truck mount, So it was, it was amazing uh, day and night uh, how much business we could do with a truck mounted unit versus a portable and less fatiguing and uh, did a great job. Um, and then in uh, 1984, my wife, who is my partner in the business, still is, um, took over as president of a local association for the Carpet Cleaning Association and uh, got invited to go to a meeting with IICUC. Back then it was at York. And um, I traveled with her to Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and uh, went to this meeting and met these great people from the industry uh, that I developed long-term relationships with. And uh, she was elected to the board. And I just sat through the meeting, kind of as quiet as I could be. And um, at the end of the meeting... This guy, Ed York, said to me, you know, uh, you're kind of worthless sitting there. You ought to do something. And he (laughs) anointed the vice president of the IICC. And I was like, well, I don't don't need a position here. And he said, yeah, you're the new vice president. I'm just kind of carrying on about it. And that was pretty cool. And I said, all right, great. Happy to do it. Well, little did I know that six months later he fired the president. And I became president of the ICC. So it was pretty uh, amazing, to say the least. But what a great experience it was, uh, being engaged at that level uh, of the industry with so many amazing people. I stayed as president four years. I became chairman, and then I uh, became uh, chairperson of the uh, schools and instructors committee, and then all of the... uh, um what's the other term well anyway one committee after another and then finally we decided to start a standards committee okay
0: i'm going to pause you for a second because i want to go back i have a question to ask kind of off topic but anyway okay so 84 you guys travel to wisconsin and meet meet with a group of other uh restoration individuals right yep yep. so this is so this is my question though because so much today i mean very, very easy to contact people today, right? I can get on Facebook, LinkedIn, and actually me and you had a conversation right before this of where you give me a list of names. I'll, I'll find them. I can go find these people. Um, but right. in 84, how, how are people, how, how do you get in touch with people when everyone meets in Wisconsin? I mean, it seems logistically a little, a little more difficult than it would be today.
1: Yeah. Most of it was over the telephone or, um, through mail. Uh, In the late 80s, we were very involved with DuPont while I was president. It was 1987, I traveled to DuPont and developed a relationship with them, and they gave us something called the DuVox system. And DuVox was a recording system. You could send messages out to the entire board. But that was really really advanced uh, for us back then. But it was all mail and telephone. Yeah. Maybe fax.
0: It's just interesting to me of how you know how back then, especially with the with the communication, kind of uh, you know the difference, how people were still you know how people were able to find each other and and connect because I mean there still had to be such a huge audience that that wasn't reached at the same time.
1: There was no question about it. It was challenging, and you had to be very aggressive to reach people to communicate. Yeah, no question. Okay. I remember anyway, I'm,
0: my... sorry. Oh, well, I'm sorry I interrupted. You can keep talking, but I'm sorry I interrupted. And you can keep going.
1: <laughs> did. Please, I'll, I'll try not to talk so damn much. But <laughs> I I got my first cell phone, I think, in about 88 or something. I literally quadrupled my sales capability because then I wouldn't have to wait to get back to the office to follow up phone calls. Mm. I could do it in my car. That thing was a monster. I mean, it was like, maybe 17 inches long and six inches wide and weighed about 20 pounds. But anyway, it was cool. So we uh, started the standards committee um, for the IICRC. We started in about 89 and 90. We published our first standard, which was the carpet cleaning standard. And then we were working at the same time on a water damage restoration standard. And that took a long time. And back then, um, it was challenging to communicate. I remember uh, working with Claude Blackburn quite a bit, and of course, uh, many many committee members uh, were engaged and involved back then. And uh, we published the first one in 1994. But anyway, it was it was a great opportunity to do some things for the industry that really we think made a big difference in uh, the level of professionalism for the industry and ultimately when you look at this business back then in the 90s even in the 80s there was no science whatsoever and so that our goal was to create the science of the industry to to really move the industry along and and, uh, um, do the things that protected people in their own environments
0: okay so yeah, so even back then, I mean, very, I, I mean, because where we're going with the with what you're doing now, I mean, it's all pretty much centered around education, and and yeah. you know, getting that like you said, the professionalism. But with professionalism comes comes the education, comes a standard, comes you know, the the right way to take care and do things.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right there, Garrett. And you know, we. Um... We really enjoyed working on uh, all of these uh, documents. I was involved with IICRC 20 some odd years, and um, it was just a fantastic experience. Um, my business uh, continued to grow, and I think it really excelled because of what I was learning. And Whoa. people just don't understand this. If you volunteer and you get involved in these organizations, You learn so much from so many people. It is invaluable, and you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And I learned so much being in these positions. Uh, And I sold my business uh, based on contracts and and a variety of things. And um, I tried to retire, but. When you're 39 years old, it's not a very good idea because I was bored to death in six months. I did everything I thought would be a lot of fun, and it was once twice. <laughs> and I was like, I got to go do something. and I think my wife, you better go do something. <laughs> so I did, and um, we started doing a lot of education programs, and I spoke on everybody's uh, conventions, and uh, did a lot of workshops for associations, and. You know, when I tracked it back, I think I was on over a thousand programs, which was really amazing. But I was traveling nonstop. It was really something else. And um, we got together with a group of associations and we decided we would, instead of all of us doing individual small conventions, uh, try to do a large convention. And so in 1999, we did our first large convention at the luxor hotel in uh las vegas it was very successful but of course there's lots of politics and lots of challenges and in 2001 um, my company took over producing uh, shows and um, it's changed so much over the years the name the experience has only been around for 10 years and um, we renamed it the experience primarily because of what I learned about education and how people learn in our industry. And I'm one of them. I mean, I have some college education, uh, but you know, I, I learned best by hands-on and by doing it. I've sit in a lot of classrooms and I, you know, got every certification I could and somehow or another squeaked through the tests, oh. even though I wrote some of them, they were still a challenge for me, but everybody learns just a little differently and everybody comprehends differently. And what I found was the majority of our industry really learned well when they heard it in the classroom, they saw it demonstrated and then they tried it themselves. And that's how we built the whole experience convention was around those principles. And it's been a lot of fun, obviously, but man, it's a lot of work also. No question about it. Sure. Um, This will be
0: our 40th show in Charleston. Oh, because you you guys do two a year.
1: Two a year, yep, so 20 years. And we lost the year.
0: Right, yeah, we did.
1: did. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very challenging.
0: Well, so I only know it as the experience. I think the first show I attended was probably probably 2010, 2011. um, Would have been the first one I went to. So yeah, I only know it as the experience. What what was it before?
1: It was called Connections. And oh, okay. uh, Connections, yeah, it was around for 10 years. And um, it was uh, uh, a group of, uh, we had 14 trade associations that were actively involved. Oh. And uh, uh, we did everything we could as a company to support those trade associations. And we still do that today. We still do everything we can to support the trade associations. We think they're critically important. Yeah. Because um, they're independent. Uh, they're not equipment based. They are, you know, teaching base knowledge and they're teaching people how to run a business. And um, so that's why we continue to support them as much as we can.
0: Now, how is the show? Because I'm sure there's, I mean, obviously, I would say obviously, the show's grown since the first time you put it out. But. I mean, over a 20 year span, there has to be there has to be some pretty major changes or even even some significant, uh, you know, products. I mean, the shows the shows a lot of product base. But what are kind of some things that stand out to you? If you look past, let's just go to the first 10 years, 20, 20 years is too. I can't comprehend 20 years. So let's just look at 10 years. <laughs> but if we, look at, <laughs> if we look at those first 10 years, you know, what what are kind of some of the things that just stand out to you?
1: Well, you know, a lot of um, people in the industry didn't want to see product-related education programs. Um, They're everywhere, but at our show, they really wanted us to do generic training. Um, But I have to tell you, it's hard to run the show um, without having sponsors. Mm -hmm. So the one thing we decided as a show a long time ago was that we wanted no barriers to anybody attending our show. So some of our competitors are charging, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for registration, and we've lowered our rates in the two hundred. And if you want to come on site and register, it's three hundred dollars. And it's very um, affordable. Re- very affordable, and it's actually not even break even for us um, because of the amount of food and drink that we serve and the entertainment we offer at the show. Um, everything's really paid for by the sponsors, and by our exhibitors. (laughs) And what we're trying to do is bring in everybody from the industry uh, so that they have an opportunity to grow their own businesses and learn from people that have great experience out there. And so, um, yeah, it's changed a lot over the years, and we do require uh, that um, all of the presentations are generic, but now our gold sponsors uh, in our program, we actually list them on the program to tell people these are gold sponsors and they may talk about their product. So if you're offended by that, go to one of the other programs. Mm. Um, but I wanna know about everybody's product. I wanna know, you know how they make it, why they make it. Does a, a chemical product work? How does it work? Uh, does uh, your system, the electrical systems, how do you put those together? Yeah. You know, how large can I go? What does the connections look like? Where do I use them? Those those kind of things I want to know in the classroom. And then I want to go out in the trade show hall. And what we've done in the trade show hall, especially over the last 10 years, Garrett, is we've expanded our trade show hall so we have somewhere between 20 and 30,000 square feet of hands-on areas. And yeah. we do that specifically for a reason. And that is to give everybody an opportunity, not just to see it, but sometimes jump in and try it, see what it's like. The first time we built that flood house in the trade show hall, which was going to be nine years ago, I think, Garrett, um, we were overwhelmed with people. I mean, there were so many people there, we just couldn't uh, talk to all of them. And so we've maintained that over the years. And this year is no different. We're going to continue to build it. Now, when we get to Las Vegas, we have a new concept that we're going to be introducing next to the uh, house, yeah, the flood house, Okay. and it's called Variance Cage, and inside this cage, we're going to be doing just mega hands-on demonstrations, new products, new ideas, new inventions, uh, so that people really get some engagement about what the possibilities are for their business. That's
0: very, very cool, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we need to expand uh, that opportunity anywhere we can. and um, We've really been blessed because we have a company like Shaw Industries supporting our show. Now, Shaw is the largest manufacturer of floor covering in the world. yep, And they're at our show teaching people how to clean their products, how to repair their products. And man, that's an amazing opportunity. And then I bring in some guys that I think are industry experts, not just to teach at the house, but also at the Shaw learning lab where we do upholstery cleaning. We do rug cleaning. um, We do hard surface floor cleaning of every kind you can imagine and just go into, you know, deep dive into as many areas as we possibly can.
0: I think that's one thing that stands out to me at the show. And uh, as far as how much, how much hands-on, education there is because I know I'll get a chance to walk around and, and look at some things too and and yeah you guys have these demonstration areas set up and it seems like they keep getting bigger and more of them over the years which is great but yeah like what you're saying uh, it's not just you know you come in and listen or you or you go talk to a booth. you guys have demonstrations being put on by experts in the industry and then also with the shawl flooring there. You have the manufacturers of the materials that you know you're you're trying to clean as a as a business and make your. I mean, it's it's a great it's just a great union how everybody comes together and, and uh, it, yeah, I, I it's it's invaluable. You,
1: yeah, if I was in the cleaning business, the first place I would visit in the trade show hall is I'd go over and meet the guys from Shaw and give them my card and say, Hey, I'm available in my area to help you. That's pretty fantastic. So the other thing we have, Garrett, is outside. Uh, we have truck-mounted units and some other trucks out there uh, doing live demonstrations. So you can go try these truck mounts before you buy them. Check it out, you know. And we usually have every manufacturer uh, in the industry out there now. In Charleston, we're missing a couple because of COVID uh, company policies not allowing them to travel. Uh, with their employees. And so we still have a great group out there. And now we've also got soft wash out there, which is a whole new opportunity uh, for people to add on to their business, which you definitely need to come see.
0: Yeah, and I just talked with the guys at Softwash about that, about, you know, because they're, they're, a, they're a platinum sponsor this year. Or a go, they're they're the top. They're a top sponsor this year. And uh, talking yeah. with them, and, and they're basically showing how their services can be an add-on, uh, you know, while you're already at someone's house. And it was a good conversation, but yeah, I'm going to have them on the podcast, too. And then kind of to go back, so we're talking Charleston this year, but – I don't know how much – Larry, I don't know how much you want to talk about the last year and how difficult and everything, but but for people to kind of catch up, you guys have a show in the spring, you have a show in the fall, and when COVID came through, it canceled the spring show, it canceled the fall show, or at least rescheduled it, then canceled that, and now we're in Charleston trying to, you know, putting the show together. So when we say that, you know, now we're, now we're going to Charleston, there's been – you've had – a roller coaster uh, ride leading up to this Charleston show, and and with a lot of with a lot of other people in this industry too, uh, as, as far as a roller coaster the last year. But yes, some with some people still not being able to attend this show with COVID. But then you've had to take a lot of safety precautions to make sure that this show can happen versus some of the other shows that have been canceled during the pandemic. Larry, I don't even know where to start with that conversation and how much you want to talk about, but I'll just kind of, I'll kind of give it to you. Where you want to go next, bud?
1: <laughs> well, I'm. I, I got to tell you, the last year's been really challenging as a business. Uh, it's been 18 months since we've actually done a show. By the time we get to Charleston, so wow. you can imagine having no income for 18 months. And what's amazing is September. 2019 was our largest and I think our best show ever. The place was absolutely jam packed. And so we were really looking forward to being in Cincinnati. And uh, the governor of Cincinnati canceled that 30 days before the show. So you can imagine we had all of our planning done. Uh, we'd already spent thousands of dollars getting everything ready, On all and the then, marketing then
0: materials and the print and everything.
1: Oh, everything was done so everything was planned everything was ordered uh, hotel of course is a challenge because you have contracts with hotels so uh, anyway we, we got through that and everybody's like oh it's 30 to 60 days kind of thing and and then uh, we transfer to Vegas and uh, we get to July and it's getting worse not better and so Vegas of course shut down and then they told us we'll move to November. And so we did. We moved to November. And again, we started all that planning cycle over again. Now, during this time, which was from March to November, we didn't lay off anybody. We just kept working and praying that event. And then we hit uh, October. And of course, uh, we got canceled again. And uh, they wanted us to move to December or January. And I was like, no, we've gone as far as I can go. And so then we just started working on Charleston. And We had no idea if we could actually do an event in Charleston until the end of December when the governor approved us coming there. But what that meant is that we needed to put in place uh, more safety precautions than anybody's ever thought about. Um, And so I started attending meeting after meeting, understanding, you know, what's possible out in the marketplace. How do you keep people safe? How do you make the event as safe as it can be? Uh And so um, we have now implemented a lot of things we've never thought of. And you can imagine the additional expense we're going through to do this, but it's of critical importance for us. Here we have the people, the heroes that are on the front line doing this work, cleaning up from COVID, cleaning up from people that have been sick, going in and And uh, disinfecting environments and so we knew that they wanted to get back together and we knew that we really wanted to lead the industry in bringing new technology and new ideas back together again to address this because I don't think it's going away anytime soon we just need to learn how to work around it and work with it and so you know we know that there's always an inherent risk in attending any event Or participating in any activity and so with this virus uh, we understand there's a heightened degree of of sensitivity about this and we're really sensitive about it and so we're taking every legal prudent and advisable measure to reduce the risks of virus and illness transmission between people uh, while they're on site and you know we're going to do everything that we know and everything we've learned but Despite our best efforts, we're unable to reduce the risk level to zero. That's just not a possibility. But right. let me tell you some of the things we have done. So um, we had to change our registration. Um, and so it's touch, you know, hands-free kind of thing. We're installing something now that we've never even thought of, which is, you know, the group at the airports called Clear. Yep. Um, we hired them to make an app for us. And so the the app that everybody will download is from Clear, and it's a health screening that goes directly into our computers. And we ask the same questions the CDC's asked us to ask: Have you been exposed? Are you feeling sick? Do you have a fever? Blah blah blah. And we'll get those. You know, it's five or six questions. You answer those. It's on your app. You walk in the door. Then that's done outside the door. Okay. You walk in the. Clear will actually have some temperature gauge or units there, and they will take your temperature and it automatically goes into your app. And so, your app then uh, will turn green or red so that we understand whether you can come in the building or not. So, if, if you get a red, you'll go to a secondary screening. If you get a green, you're in, you go to registration, and you know, you move right along now. Masks are mandatory, not because of us, but because of the governor of this state and because of Charleston telling us that's mandatory. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see signs everywhere. And we're used to wearing masks at this point in time and not really a a big deal. So um, that will be something that we're going to continue to do. And then we learned of a concept that I really like. And, you know, people talk about civil liberties all the time, and, and I respect that. And so we're actually gonna have wristbands that we're gonna offer to all of our attendees and we ask them to wear one of them. It'll either be a red, a yellow, or a green wristband. So if you're wearing a red wristband, basically it says, I'm very cautious. I'd like to maintain six feet distance. And we ask everybody to respect that. And if you're wearing a yellow, it means, well, I'm kind of cautious, but I'm going to get a lot closer and I am going to network uh, and talk to people and, you know, uh, I understand the risk. Yeah. And if you're wearing green, uh, you're okay. You want an elbow bump. Maybe you've had a vaccine. Maybe you've already had COVID. Maybe uh, you're just feeling fine and you don't believe uh, it's an issue. Those are decisions that our attendees will make themselves. We won't make them for them. See, I heard- and so...
0: I heard you talking about this on, uh, on Larry and Eric's podcast, Blue Collar Nation. I listened. I, if anybody hasn't checked out Larry and Eric's uh, podcast, Blue Collar Nation, go check that out. Larry, you were just a, a guest on there a couple weeks ago. And when I was listening to your episode, that's the first time I've heard about these bracelets. But I thought, this is brilliant. Because I know I even catch myself. I'm, I'm a green guy. I just want to, I just want to come hug you and talk to you and, and I'm, I'm really not worried about it. Um, I've, I, especially in, in that kind of setting, I feel like, you know, if you're going to be out and you're in the show and you're feeling good, I'm feeling good anyway. Um, but I thought it, it's hard though, when, when you just come up to somebody and you don't, you don't know, you don't know kind of what their, their comfort level is. And I, I just thought the bracelet was brilliant. And that was the first time I had heard about it. So I how did, who came up with that? Or is that, is that an idea that's being used in other places? Where did that yeah, come from? So that was the first I heard about it.
1: That's been used once or twice. And I uh, learned about it from an organization called PCMA. And um, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant because I've heard those words, but you're violating, you know, my rights. And that's not our interest whatsoever. Our no. interest is keeping people safe and making sure that we can continue to hold the event, and that we can hold future events. And so that's why we adopted it immediately and thought it was absolutely brilliant. Now, just a couple of other things. In our classrooms, they're making us have six-foot separation. So my normal classroom's about 2,500 square feet. These classrooms are 7,500 square feet or larger so that I can have one person per six-foot table.
0: A lot you know,
1: if we change that by the time we get there, we would be thrilled, but it's not looking like anything's going to happen until next month uh, in May. Um, now, the other thing we're doing is, in between our speakers, we're going to ask people to get up and move around. I'm going to have a crew come in and wipe off all the tables and chairs, okay. just so we have continuous cleaning going on. And then we're bringing in something that, I think is gonna revolutionize our entire industry. There's a company that I met about nine months ago, I've been following them, I've been talking to them, I've been uh, really interested in what they're doing. The, the owner of the company uh, is an, a military guy and he invented a system to take black water on ships and convert it to drinking water using light energy technology. No yeah, chemical.
0: we've we've talked about this, and I heard you talk about it on the other podcast too. This is so fascinating.
1: It's so fascinating, and now I'm learning more and more about it. And I'm not going to spill the beans here, but you need to be at our show to check this out. <laughs> you won't. And so they're giving me two units to use, and we're going to be doing it uh, using these units in the uh, lobby, in the classrooms, and in the trade show hall. What we're being told is that this kills virus and bacteria on contact up to 10 feet away from the unit. Wow! We're just thrilled to have this opportunity to try it out, see what it looks like. We're gonna do some testing on site just to try to verify a little bit, but they're doing a lot of testing in the laboratories. It's already endorsed by the Army and Navy. Um, President Trump, when he was talking in one of his press conferences, talked about this flashing light that was this unit, cool. so very fascinating, and um, we're excited to have that there. We'll have hand cleaning stations um, all over the place and um, very tight control of you know separate spaces. So um, we're, we're doing one other thing, which is in the trade show hall, we doubled the space for the trade show hall. So you can imagine the expense we've gone to to make this happen. 30,000 feet, now 65,000 feet. And the reason we're doing is we're putting in tons of cross aisles, which we generally don't have. And so there are places where you won't feel comfortable, where you can move around the corner and be out of a clogged area. And so we thought that was really important. Um, We've reduced our booth numbers from 175 down to 130. And so um, we want everyone to feel safe and comfortable uh, in this space. But we will have hands-on demonstrations. Uh, We will ask for distancing in those areas. Um, And I'll just say this, Garrett. If people don't want to follow the policies that we're talking about everywhere right now, they shouldn't attend the show. It's not because we want them to be wearing a mask or you know staying apart, or whatever it's because that's what being told to us to follow if we want to have a show so uh, if they don't want to follow it just don't come please we don't want to be a police force and that's the last thing my staff wants whatsoever is to have to go say hey man how come you don't have your mask on or whatever that is the main reception then Um, We were going to hold it outside, but the area wasn't large enough for the amount of people that are coming. So our registrations exploded the last two weeks. Thank you all for coming. We're so excited and we can't wait to see you. So we rented another room, uh, which is 35,000 square feet to hold our reception. So there's lots of room. I hired a uh, rock and roll country band. And to come play and we're going to have lots of food and drink. If you're staying at the embassy suite hotels, we'll have drink tickets for you. So the drinks are free. And, um, you know, we just want to have a good time again and see what's out there in technology and start networking again and be yeah. with people. Man, we just can't wait to see everybody. I
0: will say the, the, the experience for me is definitely it's networking, education, and fun. You you nail those three things for sure Every show
1: There's no question about it And you know it's funny I was talking to one of our exhibitors last week And I said you know I'm thinking about What I should be doing at the show And he said just remember We come to your show because it's fun (laughs) I'm like We're saying that really uh, That means a lot and it means I better do this reception The right way
0: (laughs) Get those drink tickets Larry
1: I know. Well, you remember our last show we did at the Paris Hotel by the pool. We had 2,400 people and the band Kansas was playing. Mm -hmm. It was phenomenal. It was so much fun. But, you know, we we want to give back to the industry. We also want uh, people to, you know, feel safe and also to have a great time. And Charleston's awesome place to go.
0: Oh, so yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do, a lot of good food there, too. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a good time.
1: Yeah, it really is. Now, you know, our program, we went down to three tracks. But what I did is I picked some amazing programs. I'm really excited about it. And to uh, to um, have some of these folks there that are coming uh, that will be speaking on the program um, we're really excited about it well that and, was actually my um, next
0: question for you I wanted to go back to this to the guest speakers because I know for me when I come to the show I have a booth like that's 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 my spot in in this in this whole this whole uh, experience convention is you know I'm in the trade show I have a booth but I know you have so many things going on outside of just the the trade show um, but you know honestly I mean other than there's other things going on i don't really i don't know a whole lot about them so i'm glad we're getting into this with uh with the guest speakers and kind of what what uh what's being presented there
1: the exhibitors every one of them is invited to attend the education sessions at no additional charge okay we want them because the reason we want them there is that we're talking about a lot of new science and technology inside those classrooms and everybody needs to keep up. Everybody needs to learn together, and we need to grow together. And It's a great opportunity. So some of the uh, great programming we have is with Jeff Jones and Dr. Gavin McGregor Skinner. Now, those guys are from GBAC, and we're hearing about GBAC all over the place, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, GBAC has really led uh, what's going on and how to clean uh, these or commercial buildings uh, from – the coronavirus, gbac stands for Global Bio-Risk Advisory Council. You know, when I first met those guys, I thought, man, you guys are kind of crazy out there. And now <laughs> they're really doing a lot to save, you know, everybody from this continued spread and teaching people really how to do things uh, the right way. So I find that fascinating. We also have um, Dr. Gene Cole coming. And we're really honored to have him with us. He is my go-to guy for anything to do with bacteria, virus, fungal pathogens. This guy knows more than anybody I've ever talked to. And what he's able to do, and he's the guy that wrote the standard sections for the IICRC. The first time he wrote one of the sections for us, um, he sent it in. And I'm reading it, and I'm talking to a couple guys, and I literally said to them, I have no idea what any of this means. <laughs> he, you know, they're all cracking up and saying, thank you for saying that, because we don't either. So we called Dr. Cole and said, can you please rewrite everything you wrote at a ninth grade education level? So Barry can understand it. And I you mean, did. You cannot believe how he rewrote it to a way that everybody in our industry could clearly digest it, understand it, and apply it. And he's been the go-to guy on these standards ever since then. So he's been involved in the industry, you know, 30 years, which is amazing. He was uh, a professor at Brigham Young University, and um, we're really excited to have him at this program, talking about you know infectious disease talking about porous and non-porous surfaces and materials and the risk of uh, disease transmission. I go on and on about this guy, but it's always great to have him on our program. And um, I'll just name a few other guys like Chuck DeWall, who you know. We're always excited to have him with us. And then um, I'm going to be interviewing Phil Rosebrook, um, Jr., from Business Mentors. Talking about the future of the restoration and then the cleaning industry. You know, where are we? What's going on? And then my friend Jeff Cross uh, from Cleanfacts yep. will be interviewing uh, Kevin Pearson, who's the chairman of IICRC, and Michael uh, Duke, who's the president and CEO of the IICRC. And then I found a few people that people really don't know. There's this guy I met named Howard Shore. He's with Activate Group. Yep. And he's going to talk about, you know, how to thrive in your business, how to plug the holes in your business that are, you know, allowing profits to escape. How do you maximize growth and profits in your company? And, you know, when I yeah, first heard him, a, I was like,
0: well, yeah, he's got a book go like the Leaky Bucket or, or something. Now I'm, now I'm up looking at my bookshelf trying to find it because I know I have it. Right. Uh, if I can find it here.
1: Well, yeah, anyway. The guy is, anyway,
0: Howard Shore uh, is plug, like plugging the holes, your leaky bucket, but yeah, business. Very good book.
1: You hit it on the head, and the guy is phenomenal, so we're really uh, very excited to have him there. And then um, we have some other people that have never spoken on our program, like Ryan McLaughlin, who's uh, with Belfor, and um, Clay Hernandez with Artemis uh, Biosolutions, wow. uh, and then we got to of our uh, great guys like uh, Bill Yadon from yeah. John Don and, and Sonny uh, uh, Ahu- Ahuja with uh, Kill It Online. And yep. man, I go on and on. There, The program is loaded. And uh, we just invite you to come join us because there's so much to gain um, from being with these folks. But at the same time, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And
1: so we have thing that we do every year, which is a ton of giveaways. And so um, we give away all kinds of prizes, uh, Apple uh, iPads, Apple Watches, those kind of things. And um, it's all about going to visit our exhibitors and earning points. And then we cannot thank our Diamond and Platinum folks that support us every year. So we have this program kind of like the airline program, which just rewards people to say thank you for coming to our show. And uh, these folks have been coming to our show. Some of the platinums have not missed a show in 10 years. Wow and we thank them enough. So we have a lounge set up for them and lots of food and drink. Our diamonds uh, are they've been to five of our shows out of uh, 14 or whatever it is and so, um we're just excited to see everybody again and man it's time to get back together and you know i walked into the grocery store over the weekend i forgot my mask i felt so naked i couldn't believe it man i had to run back to my car <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i said yeah you don't uh, being out here in seattle um you, you don't you don't get to walk in a store without being reminded that, yeah, you forgot your mask. And I've done it. I've done it a couple of times. Yeah, you just, you're like, oh, my gosh. Yep, I'll be right back.
1: Well, nobody said anything to me. They just all gave me looks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's worse,
1: right? (laughs) Like, what did I do? (laughs) Well, time for us to move on and and experience the changes. But, uh, you know, we want to be safe. We're going to take precautions and uh, we're going to have a good time. So, yeah.
0: Well, um, I, cannot, I can't wait for the show. Um, it's going to, for me, I, I, I'm ready to network and see people. And uh, and then you've also given me the opportunity to bring the podcast to the experience, yeah. which is going to be very, very cool. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be very cool. So, um, and I, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think this has ever been done before. We're going to. Never. never been done um so we're gonna we're gonna bring the podcast to the show and during trade show hours we're gonna we're gonna have guests every half hour um ranging from from guest speakers to other exhibitors to i'm sure i'll probably find a friend in the crowd and just grab them and pull them in the booth and um but yeah we're gonna do some recording right there at the show i'm really looking forward to it it's gonna be fun
1: Yeah, we've had some of the, uh, like HW3 TV, where he was uh, doing recording, uh, not a podcast. And um, that was very successful also. But we're thrilled to have you there and to uh, see what's possible for the future. And, uh, you know, we have five booths left for this show and registration. Uh, We extended early registration for folks. And um, we just really want to see as many people as possible there. Yeah. Um, and crazy is our Las Vegas show, which is September 8, 9, and 10. Uh, we've already sold about 130 booths. And uh, we haven't even put it up yet uh, for, um, you know, people being able to buy booths. But people are calling, trying to register to go to that show. I think they'll miss out on some really important information if they're not at the Charleston show and uh, we look forward to seeing them at both shows obviously, but hope you'll join us in Charleston and then it's really great to have you coming to our show there.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. I always, I always enjoy it. And I will also back that if, if anybody hasn't attended um, you're, you're really missing out. You're missing out on some, some great connections. You're missing out on a lot of information, a lot of education, anything new that's happened in the last year will be at the show. Uh, And that's, you're going to find it. You're going to, you're going to come away with so much knowledge, uh, so much information. And I love it too, because I mean, me as an exhibitor, and we have our electrical products and there's a lot of people I mean I'm, I'm not offending anyone a lot of people don't know what volts are watts are amps are and they come they get to come to my booth and and we get to you know we'll have a little demonstration or we'll have some things set up and you'll get to talk with me and and again it's just that that education and that knowledge you gain from being at an event like this uh, you get to have those those conversations with people that you really I mean, don't get me wrong. Anybody can call me anytime and I'll talk to you. But um, you, know, you get to you get to walk around and have, if you want, a hundred conversations with industry experts.
1: That's exactly right, and I hope you'll come join us uh, in the new cage uh, with some live demonstrations, teaching people about electricity and the opportunity to do jobs uh, properly and uh, set up things the right way. And you know, I absolutely I failed full about what Barry Costas put together. Barry Costas put together one of the most comprehensive programs at the floodhouse I've ever seen. And each day has a different uh, theme. And you can't believe the program and the people that are coming to speak there. And these aren't 10, 15 minute talks. These are 30 to 45 minute talks. And each subject is amazing. So we're really excited for what he's put together there also.
0: Oh I can't I can't wait. And Barry Costa is he's he's uh, on my list of uh, of guests to get on the show and I've talked with him. I know we're gonna make it happen sometime. I just love that guy. He's he's amazing.
1: He really cares and he's an amazing teacher. We're so thrilled to have him as part of our team.
0: Well, Larry, if you don't mind, I think I think we've talked enough about the trade show. I want to talk about something else. I okay. want this is this is the question I have. You told me that you that you thought you were going to retire when you were thirty nine, which I think is I think is phenomenal and that's very ambitious and uh, I I I love it. We also know that there's a very importance on making the the trade show fun. So with those two things, what on now a normal year, not the pandemic year, but on a normal year, what are you doing? What are you doing for fun? what are What are the things you've been doing the last ten years? that gets you away from work and gets you having fun what are some of your hobbies
1: thanks for asking that That, that's awesome i i love to travel um i've traveled all over the world i've done some amazing treks i uh trekked to mount everest base camp i've done machu picchu i go on and on with some of the. I just absolutely love doing this. When we did the Mount Everest base camp, we were on the trail 34 days. Um, I had not camped a long time. That was a new experience. So it was uh, fantastic. It was just amazing. But I am an avid fisherman. I like fishing a lot. I like deep sea fishing especially. And um, so last year, even during the pandemic, I went out uh, four times and, Uh, Planning to uh, get off my butt this year and and match that at least. But um, it's just exciting. It's fun. I love being on the water. And actually, I should have been a beach bum. That would have been the best. (laughs) Beach, man. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I tell her, well, I haven't been to the beach in a while. It's time to go, man. Go. So uh, that is... uh, really some of the fun things. Now, I've got nine grandkids, so uh, there's nothing more important to me than being with them and taking them places and just having them at my house. And they all live close to me, so I see them all the time. And um, I think, you know, two of my daughters work with me, and so uh, the kids are around uh, quite a bit. And um, we're just, uh, you know, trying to live every day in life and um, there's so many great opportunities to help other people. Uh, we take advantage of those and I serve on several nonprofit boards and try to do fundraising, uh, in different areas to uh, help, uh, people. And, um, I, I think that, um, you know, when you're blessed, uh, you need to give back. And so that's really part of what we're doing at the Vegas show. Um, I'm going to be working with uh, my friend Bruce Deloche. I don't know if you know Bruce very well, but Bruce does this amazing fundraiser called Clean Water Saves Lives. And uh, I've been studying what uh, this uh, foundation is all about. It's a charity. Basically, what they do is they set up uh, programs to provide clean water all over the world and including the United States okay. and um, it's incredible what they've done and how many people's lives they've changed and so at our Las Vegas show I'm planning to do a major fundraiser to help people uh, with water and you know we're involved in water all the time cleaning and restoration and this this is a great theme. Um, I've been involved in cleaning the Ronald McDonald houses for about uh, 27 years, okay. and um, I just believe we need to give back where we can.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is, you're a busy guy. Now, I want to know the, the grandkids. What are the ages?
1: Uh, grandkids are from uh, 5 to 15.
0: They'll, oh, my gosh. Those That's, are some funny ages. A, it
1: doesn't get any better than that. I mean five-year-old is so much fun and the 15-year-old just got her learner's permit to drive and i'm like oh my, how did i get this old holy cows but yeah it is fun and, and life uh, ought to be enjoyed and uh, you know we ought to do what we can to make a difference
0: yeah oh absolutely that's so much fun and then and i wrote down on my notes you said 34 days at everest yeah <laughs> like I'm trying because I go. I mean, I go on some some hunting trips and stuff, which aren't which I didn't endure anything you did going to Everest. But you know, I'm maybe five or six days, thirty four days.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, and it uh, you know it really takes everything that you have to uh, be in on a trip like that. And um, we had a great uh, guide and Sherpas helping us. And we went to eighteen thousand four hundred feet. Wow! Um, it was uh, physically very challenging. I have this video I should probably show sometime. When I was there's this mountain that overlooks base camp. It's called Kalapatar.
0: Okay.
1: And when we got to Kalapatar, I had a video camera and I went up to the peak and I videoed three hundred and sixty degrees around and. Mount Everest, there wasn't a cloud on it that day and it was absolutely gorgeous. Wow. But when you hear I'm struggling to breathe and narrating and it it just what a great reminder of an amazing journey that we had. Really was something else. I don't know that I could do it again, but I think everybody ought to challenge themselves with things like that and go out and be with nature and it's it's an amazing world we live in.
0: Yeah, that is incredible. Now, what are kind of, because you're a logistics guy, especially with the show and everything, what are some of the kind of amazing logistics that go into a, a hike to Everest? You know, that maybe like the guide or the outfitters, like something you're like, oh, wow, wouldn't wouldn't have thought of that or, or that's pretty amazing or, you know, that yeah, kind of Yeah, let
1: me tell you people over in Nepal. Uh, we uh, flew into uh, Nepal, um, and uh, Kathmandu, and then we went over to a place called Lukla. And at Lukla, we met um, our Sherpa and uh, um, all of the guys that were helping us. We had a group of 13 of us that did this together. Um, We trained for about nine months to do this. I was in amazing shape. And um, we had 30 guys helping us carry everything. Now these guys are in flip-flops, you know, and they're about five foot two.
0: Okay.
1: But what a amazing determination to thrive and to help, and um, we just couldn't do enough for them. But I didn't have the resources with me to do more that I wanted to. That these people struggle every day, and so they use these straps that go on their forehead and they carry these sacks, 75 pounds or more, uh, on their back. And I'm like, just amazed to watch them. But, you know, they were incredible to help us the way they did. Or uh, we couldn't have made this trip as uh, successful as it was. Um, the, the challenge that we had every day was the weather. Um, you'd start out in the morning and it was freezing cold. Cool. Uh, you know, especially when we got up 16, 17,000 feet, uh, very cold in the morning, sometimes snowing, and then by noon, uh, you're down to shorts and a t-shirt because it's so hot. Hmm. And so we would wear layers and layers of clothes that we would strip off and put back on. And of course, we had to carry you know a certain amount of stuff in our backpack, and water was critical, and eating. The right things were really critical. Getting greens in your body, um, and we we used some things, uh, supplements that were mushrooms from the area to really beef up our immune system, cool. and it made a big difference for my wife and I. My wife is so strong. It's oh, amazing. your wife went too. Oh man, I was chasing her up the trail. <laughs> she was in, you know, and people would get tired, and she'd take their backpack too. So. I'm like, holy cows, man! I, I'm I married way up from where I should have been, but nonetheless, blessed. We've been married 45 years, believe it or not. So, congratulations, sweetheart. man. That's amazing in itself. But uh, you know, overall, um, being present every day and um, just knowing your body enough to prepare in advance uh, so that you can be successful and It was fascinating. We had a guy on our trip who was from Sweden. And man, when you saw him, you were just like, this is the model of physical fitness. He was in great shape. Yeah. Well, when we hit 14,000 feet, we left him at a hospital. He could not breathe. And out of the the 13 of us, only six made it to the top. Uh, Many of them were left at uh, medical facilities along the way. So um, it is a challenge. It was mentally and physically challenging, and you really need to prepare yourself if you're going to do something like
0: this. So just less than half made it, but you and your wife were – I'm assuming your wife made it to the top also?
1: Yeah, it was kind of funny because we had this uh, young man with us who was 18, just turned 18, and um, he was brought on the trip as a graduation present. He uh, later went on to become a SEAL, by the way. Wow. But I was walking with him as we were finishing the trip, and we're at about 17,800 feet, and is in front of us. And he said, come on, there's the end. And I'm like, what do you mean, come on? And he took off running full speed <laughs> to the top of the mountain. And I'm looking at him like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen today. But I, I got up there second, and it was just, Amazing. What a great feeling of accomplishment. Uh, but also, what an amazing feat for my body uh, to be able to do this. And, um, you know, I had suffered with blood pressure problems and not eating right, being on a truck all the time, going to fast food, garbage places, and <laughs> yep. had to learn a lot about nutrition and taking care of myself.
0: That is fascinating. That is. <laughs> You know, I always that's one of the things I love about this podcast and doing it is, uh, you know, I mean, Larry, me and you over the years have had numerous conversations. Um, oh, yeah. And and <laughs> it only it only does it count. You know, it comes down to a podcast to go. I didn't know Larry went to Mount Ever Like, holy shit. I didn't know he went to Mount Everest. Um, it's that's 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 one of the most fun things about doing this is, is learning, learning from my guests. Just something what I'll just call crazy. Just something that you just. Yeah. You don't ever get to hear about it. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. And I got to tell you, our Sherpa was incredible. I mean, he could read people and, you know, care for each person uh, individually. And um, it was kind of funny because when we got to this uh, restaurant, he told us we were going to have lobster and uh, he called it uh, Lukla Lobster or something like that. I can't remember the exact name, but it uh, turned out to be Yak. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a really fun trip, but it was uh, as challenging as anything I've ever done.
0: Oh, man. Well, I, would, I mean, I, I could keep talking to you for, for another hour, I don't think. But I, I know you have a lot of work to get done. You've got this show coming up. I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you taking the time now, but is there anything before we kind of kind of shut this off? Is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to say or go over or words of wisdom, advice, anything? It's, it's whatever you want to talk about.
1: Well, I would just like to extend uh, an invitation to everyone in the industry to attend one of the experience shows this year. I know Charleston's going to be an amazing show getting back together. Uh, But we're already working on the Las Vegas show, which will be probably our largest show we've ever held. It'll be at the Paris Hotel, and uh, the Embassy Suites is uh, ready and geared up and ready for us in Charleston, and we would love to see as many of you as possible, and uh, we hope that uh, you will continue to support our efforts to lift the industry, and uh, thanks so much for listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, with that, we'll wrap this up and, and call today, Larry, again, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate all the information and everything that you do for the industry to make us better, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much and really appreciate where you are and what you're offering to the industry right now. It's fabulous. Can't wait to see you in Charleston there, my friend.
0: Yes, you too. You too. And with that, everyone, thank you for listening. Hey, have a great day, everybody.